we become stronger, we become better, and we learn how to handle our fears uh, rather than retreating from them. No, I want to face my fears. I want to I want to try to be brave. I, I want to not let fear rule me. That's Jim Jacobs. He overcame his fear of heights through a series of incremental progressions. That is, he, he pushed himself to higher and higher places until he became comfortable with it. In the final installment, part three of this series on dealing with our fears, I want to explore how we might actually utilize our fears when they're rational for good. If you haven't listened yet to parts one and two, that's fine. Each of these episodes uh, stand alone. In part one, we heard stories of the worst fears people have faced in the past. They range from the financial to the physical, tangible ones, like when Kevin Reynolds was worried about crashing or falling off a motorcycle. In part two, the discussion turned to how to move past beyond those fears from part one. Now I want to explore the times in which we might use our fears to make us better, smarter, stronger people. Ask yourself as you listen, how might you turn the fears you have into a tool for strength and success? You're listening to Zen Sandwich, a podcast for the independent mind and anyone who embraces life despite its absurdities. Join former attorney and professor turned Japanese papermaker Mark Reed each week as he talks with creative, inspiring, and influential people, or as he shares his own research to help make your world a little better today than it was yesterday. We begin with David Lomax. He had faced possibly the scariest of all fears from part one, the stories episode, uh, in, in that he he talked about the time he landed in a war zone in Afghanistan under fire when I eventually got to ask him how fear might be useful. He said this. We, we need fear to survive. Mm. We need oh. fear to operate and to work and, and to right. do everything. So it's a bit like, you know, people before they stand up and, and present in front of, you know, people and stuff mm. like that, 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 you know, funny feeling in your, in the pit of your stomach and you've been for a nervous pee and, a, you know, and all that <laughs> sort of thing beforehand. Uh, so it, it, it's, they're, they're the, that with, you need that fear. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, but fear, I don't know if there's a direct correlation between fear and stress because some people's stress levels are, you know, ridiculously high. Yeah. And we need a certain element of stress to get us up in yeah. the morning. That's true. right. And then you go, okay, fine. And you can see the people that are in really, really stressful roles doing whatever. And, and I've seen this a few times where, you know, or they're coming up to retirement or they're going to retire or whatever. And and the, their big plan is to sit on the riverbank with their grandkids fishing mm. or or doing whatever. And six months later, they're in the ground, they're dead. Mm. Uh, and it's and it's because they've you know I'm all, I'm pretty sure it's their body goes into some sort of cortisol withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> it just crashes, and they just, they just lose the will to live. So David's take is we need a healthy dose of fear and stress to get us up and moving. Almost as if it's the fuel that keeps us going, keeps us living, or at least the ignition switch that starts our engines in the morning. It's an interesting take, and not dissimilar to Angelique Stidham's perspective of using fear as motivation, as fuel, 
It's a fuel that continues to motivate her to this day. I've had a lot of health challenges. And, but when I had my son, he was very sick, my, my youngest. And then I, after he got really sick, they were like, hey, this is just how your life's going to be. Mm. And I was so afraid of what that meant and whether yeah. he was going to be okay. Like he went from a normal kid to like a absolutely not normal kid. Couldn't walk, couldn't talk, couldn't even remember his own grandparents. Wow. It was a totally different thing than I thought it was going to be. And I was like 24 credits per semester in college as a single mom. We're a blended family, Donnell and I. And um, when he, they kept telling me what his diagnosis were and how this was just going to be like 50 to 85 seizures a day. My job was just like counting them in wow. between the classes. And it was so interesting because I didn't accept it, even though I was afraid. It was almost like everybody else around me was was also grieving and have like going through their emotional process that I couldn't even have my own process. So I just accepted this as this is the norm. Hmm. Fast forward, I start having a bunch of health issues and they tell me that over the course of years, things just started getting worse. They tell me I'm going to be in a wheelchair. This is just going to be my life. I'll be bedridden. This is the nature of this, the illness that I have. And Again, I was like, I won't accept that. Right. And I'm okay with saying like, this is the new normal. I'm not okay with adopting something I don't believe belongs to me. Yeah. And I think that's where anything that becomes uncomfortable and anything that really makes me afraid, I just, the, the thing that moves me through it is knowing that it doesn't belong to me. Mm. Like if, if this is a thing that I have to accept, then it just becomes my new normal. Like, mm -hmm. let's rock it. Like, let's let's do an amazing job handling this situation. Mm -hmm. But if it's something that doesn't belong to me, then it's my motivator to like, let's get this out of my system. Let's get this out of my household. Let's get this out of my family. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where I have learned to power through. So yeah. that's, that's for me, what fear has really done. Um, fear is a root of perfectionism. And I'm a hell of a perfectionist. <laughs> I, I think that fear of, there's a lot of, of where fear can almost be paralyzing, right. but also can be a great motivator. And yeah. it's, so it that's sounds where like, I've used it. Angelique's son did get better and she is not in a wheelchair. The, it was the motivation of her fear and her refusal to accept her prognosis as her inevitable story that got her and her son past those obstacles. Making the most of what we have right now mm -hmm. and not taking anything for granted. So having experiences and trying to do the most with what I can do and just saying this, these are my limitations and that's okay. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to use them instead mm -hmm. of saying, focusing on what I can't do. I'm trying to learn to focus more on what I can do. So, and for anybody else who's struggling with, you know, either with be it health issues or what or whatnot, I think that shift in focusing on what you can do, that's like, that's the juice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's like, that's the fuel for what fuels, for what powers you through fear yeah. um, is, is that perspective. Wow. Powerful stuff. 
She uses what she's afraid of and, and turns it into gratitude. It's really impressive. We turn now to how Kevin Reynolds, I had mentioned him at the beginning, used his fearful experience to make life easier going forward. For reasons that are explained in greater detail in part one of this series, Kevin was in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and had rented a motorcycle without knowing how to ride a motorcycle. (laughs) We pick back up with his story on how he utilizes that experience throughout the rest of his life. So picture your first time on a motorcycle in, in people flying by you, buses coming within half a foot of you going God knows what speed, and you're putt-putting on an elevated highway in a fog where you can't see on a wet highway. Okay. So basically, with the use of that, okay, where that comes in useful is that anything I've done since, I just say, you know, anything that's difficult. The, mo- the, the things that tend to be difficult for me is like, you know, like, you know, it's not so much the physical stuff. It's more, okay, I got to do this meeting. I got to have this tough conversation or whatever it is, something uncomfortable. You just say, I just think back of that motorcycle ride. You're like, <laughs> it ain't nothing. Compared yeah. to that. And so therefore with that frame of context, you just go and do it. That that maybe answers the next uh, the next question I had is what did you learn from the experience? Did it make you stronger or more fearful of something like that happening again? So it sounds like it made you stronger, and that you once you've been through that, you can handle anything. Yeah, pretty pretty much. I mean, I think I was think the writer Erica Jong uh, wrote once or said once, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm. And I, I amended that to feel the terror and do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> feel the terror and do it anyway. <laughs> that might sound like a tough pill to swallow, but if we take that approach and we practice it, we become tougher people. We develop a willingness to say, okay, yeah, I'm scared of this thing, but damn it, I'm going to do it anyway. In short, we develop courage. Just make sure it is rational courage that you're cultivating. Now, Kevin somewhat got all of that uh, at once with his terrifying experience, but you don't have to do that. You, you don't have to rent a motorcycle in Brazil. Now, you might utilize his perspective if you've had a terrifying experience of your own, but there is another way, and that's through practice. Christine Meyer discusses how she welcomes fear because it is telling you something, but then she's able to get it under control soothe it generally within a minute how long does it take you to go from recognizing this kind of un, we'll call it an unreasonable nightmare and getting it back to a level of comfort well because i i am well practiced in right recognizing where i'm headed i would take a minute or less probably mm. right but it doesn't mean that I won't have that thought when she's away. I, it's not, that's not really true because I, I, I feel, I can feel the same thing when I really tune in. So really a minute or mm-hmm. so, but some other things, you know, like if you're facing financial fear mm-hmm. of some sort and you've got little or no money coming in or not enough coming in, mm-hmm. or you fear losing it, you will have to revisit that fear often. But every, what I really want to say here is every little effort 
to manage it, to turn it around, to soothe yourself is helpful. Yes. And not always in the moment though, right? Because if I'm fear and I'm feeling panic right now, it's not necessary. I'm going to feel like I'm working against myself if I'm trying to soothe myself because my logic is telling me, but I need to fear this. Right. 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 So what I, what I encourage people to do is when you're not feeling fear, when you are feeling secure, when you are feeling safe, when you are feeling certain, when you are feeling confident, when you are feeling those stable, good feelings is to acknowledge them and just really tune in and, and realize and recognize what they feel like Yeah. so that you become familiar with them. It's easier then. And yeah. then when you bump into fear, then you, you remember what you, you might feel far from remembering what that feeling of stability felt like, but you're closer to it than you would have been had you not been acknowledging and recognizing when you do feel stable. And so fear is something that we don't want to fear. Fear is something that you want to welcome when it is there, but mm. let it indicate to you what it might be that you're doing in the moment. If something's chasing you, well, that was good. You ran. Yeah, I, I want to echo that sentiment and with by adding the word practice. Um, that, practice. Yeah, always. that, um, you know, because when you were saying like, oh, I, you know, I recognize it and I, I do this all the time. You know, I write books on this stuff so I can get it under control in a minute. And I, uh, you know, me too, uh, I, I probably can get a hold on a, uh, an irrational fear you know, within a minute's time, but that's because I practice all practice. the time. I practice, practice all the time. So anybody that's listening and maybe you have a tough time, like, you know, like I, I think about my, uh, my maternal grandmother, she's passed now, but she was a warrior. And yeah. uh, so like, so actually today um, it uh, it's nighttime now here in Japan, but uh, this morning it was raining. It was raining quite heavily. And my wife had some business in town and, you know, for a moment when she drove away, you know, I told her uh, uh, to be careful and uh, she drove away. And there was a moment where I was, you know, my mind, I allowed my mind to wander into the danger zones or like, oh, God, I, what would happen if she was in <laughs> right. an accident? And, you and know, we all do what, it. Right. But then I, I was able through my training, through my practice to recognize what my mind was doing and then bring it back to a, an Good. intentional thought, you know, and have a pleasant thought and, you know, and, and I didn't worry about her for that. I mean, I, I'm still conscious of the fact she's out driving in bad weather, but I wasn't going to waste energy on, Oh no, anxiety, you know, right. uh, cause that doesn't do anything. And it doesn't do anything. And, and to your point, an intentional thought, I think that if, if, people practice more intentional thinking practice that often if you are in 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 more of the the better feeling places more often it's easier to get yourself back there because you practice different thoughts thinking intentional thoughts if you've listened to other episodes of zen sandwich you'll know that i'm a proponent of this practice for a lot of mental obstacles we might face in life not just fear you are not the thoughts that randomly pop in your head. You're not your irrational fears either. But you can and do have control of your thinking. You just need to practice. We'll finish with some insight from Ben Courier, who identifies a key step in the practice of either overcoming or utilizing our fear for something good. 
I'm going to say every time I've done anything outside of my comfort zone, there's been a heavy amount of fear. And so uh, I think uh, I I stole it from somebody who knows who, but I, I tend to say to use fear as fuel. So like if you're feeling fear and let's say like life or death kind of fear, you probably are uncomfortable and maybe stepping outside of that comfort zone. And so maybe you should investigate like, is this fear something that I should give into or am I stopping myself from doing something because I'm scared of X, Y, Z, like reasons that shouldn't stop you. It's like more like, Oh, this is the path I know I have to take. It's just scary. Cause I haven't taken it yet. Ben used a keyword there that gets us to your five minutes in for the day. Investigate more on that in a second. You may have noticed that when everyone was questioned about the usefulness of fear, they all responded, many of them using the same word, that fear is best utilized as fuel. Whether it gets you going in the morning, as David Lomax suggested, or motivates you to not accept a reality that you feel like doesn't belong to you, in the way that Angelique Stidham used her fears to go beyond a a damning health prognosis of her son at first and later for her. The key element here is to decipher why you're feeling whatever fear confronts you. Christine Meyer talked about that as well and to practice the ability to soothe your fears. So back to Ben's use of the word investigate. That's step one. Investigate why you're feeling this anxiety or fear and ask yourself, is it rational? Is it really warranted in this or that scenario? Or you're just uncomfortable with something that is unfamiliar to you. Step two is practice. Practice soothing your fears, whether they're warranted or not. With intentional thinking, the more you practice this, the closer you will be to alleviating your fears when they do arise. Truly, you'll get better and better at that over time. And step three, when applicable, use your fear as fuel. Perhaps to motivate you to do something you know you should do, but makes you feel uncomfortable. In other words, turn that fear into energy, an energy that says, damn it, I'm going to do this because I need to do this. So here we go. So investigate why you're feeling that fear, practice intentional thinking, and when it's appropriate, use your fear as fuel. That's all I got today. I've really enjoyed doing this series. I hope you all have enjoyed it as well. The first two parts have gotten some really great reviews, so much so that I intend to do more episodes like this in the future where I talk to several voices on a particular topic and put them together into one episode. Since Sandwich continues to grow and you can help out with that movement, I am listener-supported with a uh, donation at my host site, Red Circle. Every little bit counts, even a buck if you just enjoyed this episode or any other. So that's at redcircle.com slash zen dash sandwich. I'll put a link in the notes and you can just click on the uh, sponsor this podcaster button. And if not, no worries and sandwich is always free, but I am always very uh, grateful for any support I receive. As always, thanks for listening. Tackle or utilize your fears, folks. And first and foremost, breathe. Don't forget to breathe.